how do I look beyond what my existing thing is and take a blank sheet of paper and figure out how to provide a, a new and really valuable experience that is completely like a step change from where you are today. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So today on Learning Unboxed, we are going to continue a conversation about innovation and innovation strategies and how that's impacting the future of work. This is the second part of a three-part series um, where we're having that conversation. And so I'm super excited today uh, to have back with us again, Jasmine Degaya. Jasmine is the Executive Director of Transformation at J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and has been involved in innovation in corporations for many, many years. So Jasmine, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Annalise. It's a pleasure to be here. And joining Jasmine today is Paige Love, who is a software engineer at J.P. Morgan Chase, but she's also um, been involved for several years now in developing a middle school program for girls to get them interested in technology. And we're going to talk about how these two things um, intersect in our program today. So Paige, welcome to the program. Thank you. Super excited. Excellent. So ladies, let's let's dig in and talk about this relationship between technology and the change in pace of innovation and, and work. And we're going to start sort of uh, with you, Jasmine, if you could please sort of level set for us this conversation, because this is something that, you know, in your own work, sort of near and dear and, you know, lots, lots of different moving parts. So set the stage for our listeners today about, you know, what's going on with technology and why do we care about that so much? in work and how and what does this pandemic have to do with the rate and pace of change that companies are experiencing as it relates to technology? Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's just so much going on right now. And I think we've all seen both in our professional and our personal lives, the speed of change, particularly in, in the technology space has just been phenomenal. And I think that's really been accelerated in the last, you know, 12 to 14 months with the mm-hmm. with the pandemic and everything kind of leading up to that that time frame. Um, and one of the things that we've will be interesting to dig into a little bit further as well is how how we anticipate some of those changes to continue going mm-hmm. forward. And that um, you know, this is this kind of a pivot point for a lot of those changes that we expect to see. But one of the things that even before the the pandemic, that was a focus area and is for many organizations as we think about transformation, is the speed of change and the importance of keeping up with that. And I think that really is key for for two reasons. One is there's a natural tipping point that we often see in terms of how quickly things happen. And if an organization doesn't keep up, once you hit that tipping point, it's very hard for incumbents to then catch up. 
because mm-hmm. the change and the pace of that change is so great that it's it's hard to catch up. And I think the second piece is really the speed of change on the consumer side. So the consumer adoption is just so rapid these days that it also really accelerates and accentuates the need for that first mover advantage or being a, a super fast follower to be able to keep up with that um, that pace of change. Yeah, and I think we definitely see that with the our, you know our younger populations. They they're so out, they're they're so unafraid in many ways of technology that I have to wonder you know sort of the where or the how that sort of those influences are pushing back you know that consumer push the very young consumer push back at organizations and companies you know how does that then translate into the work that the you know companies are doing internally a just to keep up but also to sort of be out there on that sort of technological cutting edge, if you will. And so, so Paige, how does what Jasmine is just talking about, you know, as real concerns in terms of what's happening inside of her work, translate back to the specifics of the work that you do? Because I would imagine that these two things overlap all the time, if not multiple times a day, right? Right. Um, It's very clear that we are going to have that technical skill gap in the future. And if we look at it today, even like with minorities and women, women sit at 26% right now in the tech industry, and we're graduating at 19%. So if you look right there, that's an issue. So just the ability to bring these more um, diverse thoughts and these just different populations into technology, I mean, that's going to be huge for businesses to be successful and succeed in the future. So that's very overlapping, especially now with being in the digital age, Mm -hmm. access to. So when I go to schools and talk, like some of these students don't have access to internet and trying to address these needs for the workforce of the future, I think is going to be huge. Yeah. And how how do you think about that as you sort of step back and think about all the variety of different things that happen Jasmine in the industry and you've been you've been involved in technology and transformation and quite frankly innovation sort of at that sort of corporate and industry level for quite a, quite a, quite a bit of time and i assume that through that journey you've seen a number of of different sort of components and issues so how is it how do you how do you continue to keep the pace of innovation and and sort of leverage that with what's available what's not available and also the sort of the backfilling the gap or the expectations that i assume that you can see on the horizon as it relates to um, you know, it's to Paige making reference to the fact that not everybody even has a- appropriate access to technology, you know, to the internet. And we're really seeing this play out right now, you know, in the pandemic as it relates to an equity issue. But long term, that's going to impact workforce. And how do companies prepare for that? Yeah, that's a great, it's a great question. I think one of the things that we certainly at Chase have been doing and many other organizations that are very committed to their transformation initiatives have been doing is adopting, adopting agile methodologies. And whether it's a, a formal framework of agile or the principles behind agile, I think that's really foundational in creating that mindset of how organizations can adapt to it. And one of the key components of that that we've really been very strong advocates of is this notion of continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, always be open to the change, to, um, to evolving your um, your products and your practices, but also this notion of, and we, we talk about this a lot in that don't expect your first iteration to be perfect. And right. so when you come into something expecting that this is going to take 
half a dozen different different iterations, it changes your mindset mm-hmm. so that people are more open to, yeah, I didn't expect that to succeed the first time around. So I'm not going to take it personally right. that it didn't work. And so this is just our second iteration. And that becomes the new normal. And I think that really helps you know, create that um, mindset and foster that innovation and transformation um, perspective to help um, help accelerate that growth. Yeah, and I, I I think there is absolutely true. And one of the other um, interesting sort of I guess some um, individuals classes of individuals I guess if you will that we I have found um, that learning in box seems to attract. And we have a fair number of entrepreneurs, right, that I have interviewed over the course of this program. And and interestingly enough, one of the things that they say over and over and over again is part of the success matrix for them, if you will, is the mindset of failure, not just being okay but more importantly, that it is this amazing opportunity for us to learn mm-hmm. um, and that we learn more through that. And we certainly advocate for that um, at past um, all the time. So it's, it's great to sort of to hear and see that at the, at the corporate level, we're embracing the fact that we need those multiple iterations and that, that it's okay. And that, that mindset sort of shift, if you will, tied to ensuring that everybody who's participating can be part um, the problem-solving process, I would assume. Yeah. And I think that ties in well to, you know, I'm sure you're very familiar with Dr. Carol Dweck's, Mm -hmm. you know, the growth mindset methodology, which I know a lot of educators are adopting. And even in my kids' school, they told me when I spoke to the teachers, like they they said this is a core principle that they really aim to to teach. And um, so it's great to see the workforce of tomorrow coming Mm -hmm. into, into the, you know, with those perspectives to start with. Yeah, absolutely. And then the kids will, uh, it's it's been sort of immersed in schools for the last few years, long enough now, right? You know, the kids actually, they they spew that stuff at you. So I hear it frequently from them. So that's a a really uh, great thing. And it's, and I think a great segue page into sort of thinking about the the program, for example, because I do want to dig in a little bit more about how the work that you're doing as it relates to a middle school program to move more more women and girls into engineering and into technology, that, that's a really key component. But I also want to talk a little bit about sort of the where and how that we're talking about helping students foster that innovation mindset, because that obviously will play directly back to what Jasmine was just saying at the corporate level. So tell us a little bit about the program and sort of where or what you're thinking about with it in terms of some of the long-term impacts you're trying to achieve. Right. (laughs) So me personally, I think the sky's the limit with the program, but overall, um, the program is aimed at middle school students to help them understand girls, understand how their passions can become IT careers. Um, So long story, but when I was in high school, which was a little while ago, my mom, uh, with some hesitation, shipped me off to a women's and engineering camp. So this is the first time I was ever with all females high-level engineers, and the camp was amazing. And I think a moment like that can actually spark and make a difference in um, a student's life. So that's kind of how I base this program off of. Um, Over the past three years, we actually went out and reached over 2,500 middle school students across Columbus. And a good portion of them actually did start taking computer science classes, which is great. And those are the kind of numbers we look at. There's tons of different stats and studies out there, but if you can get these students, these girls and these minorities in classes, Mm -hmm. then you have like such a higher chance to get them into STEM and further and beyond. I think there's a big gap in the representation piece 
So I think definitely when I was in high school, I missed that. So I think, oh, what are these engineers? And I just couldn't picture that female, that famous female engineer. So I think as um, hopefully time progresses, they have more representation and role models out there for them. So that's a big piece of the program. And that's critically important, right? You know, we, we hear people talk about it all the time. I can't be what I can't see. Um, the flip side of that, though, um, and Jasmine and I have talked about this last time a little bit, you also can't do what you don't know, which gets sort of to that sort of the bridging between what the program that Paige has developed in moving middle school girls, and hopefully then, you know, they persist into that same interest in technology and engineering um, through high school and ultimately into post-secondary. And then they eventually find themselves, Jasmine, in corporate America, right? And so I'm, I'm a bit curious, you know, sort of what does that sort of look like when, when, when these young women in particular, but, but any employee. So what does that look like? How do you ensure that if the, if the new employees who come into any of these companies uh, don't already have a great solid foundation and a growth mindset and certainly a mindset around innovation, how do you as a company then foster that? I'm really curious sort of about how you take the personal side of what's going on with the folks that want to work in these companies and then just encouraging them to actually be part of that innovative team. What, What does that look like? Yeah, so I think part of it, it really does come back to the culture and the the mindset and sort of those skills that we try and cultivate, a lot of those soft skills. So people may come in with the the hard skills that you would expect. So the the technology, um, you know, the the data foundation, which is which is a absolutely the right starting point, but then to continue on in a path that's very successful in an, in an innovation or a transformation type career, some of those other skills, like almost as a wrapper around that, become so critically important, like creativity and being able to think in very different ways. And one of the things that we've tried doing is, so if, if you're a person who typically talks out your problems, try writing it down, try sketching out, you know, things on a whiteboard, just try and like think about things in, from a different, a different lens. Or if you normally um, try and work through problems by, you know, talk, like just working it out yourself, try, you know, brainstorming with a group of people, like just kind of push mm-hmm. your boundaries on how you even solve problems. So you can open up your own creativity and, and kind of that, different different ways of, of thinking. I think the other piece is really around risk-taking. So encouraging people to not only assess the risks honestly with whatever initiative they're working on, but also to be willing to take calculated risks mm-hmm. and push the, you know, push the boundaries a little bit. And that kind of comes back to if you have a mindset of I'm going to take this risk, but I don't expect to be, it to be perfect on the first time. Right. It gives you a lot more, um, you know, of a security net to, to kind of take those calculated risks. Yeah, absolutely. It just, it, it, it makes it a safe space for you. Absolutely. Exactly. So yeah. Paige, how, how does what Jasmine's talking about then translate into the actual application within the program or the work that you're doing with schools? And, and then the, the same question, and how does that because I assume that it does, how is it translating specifically into your work inside this company? Because I would assume that there's some parallels there, right? Because what you're doing with kiddos, you're drawing from your own personal experience as well as your professional experience. So how does that intersection work out? 
Right. And I think a big piece of it is understanding that when we are working with students, we need to be able to create these pathways. Like we can spark that interest, but we got to keep stoking that fire. So if you do something with a middle school girl and then you don't talk to them again, um, they might lose interest. It's like continuum. And, Mm -hmm. And I think a big piece is trying to figure out how do we build these pathways from youth to corporate America? And then how do we sustain these pathways in corporate America? Um, I think a big piece is the inclusion piece. I've I've been the only girl on my team um, (laughs) countless times. I've been the only female in engineering classes. And I think with any type of minority, you need to feel included. You need to feel like, hey, I belong here. I can do this too. So I think a lot of those just confidence building Mm -hmm. and community aspects really will help hopefully drive the numbers up to make tech more diverse. But I mean, only time can tell. I know there's tons of programs like mine and others out there Mm -hmm. that continue to work and try and build that inclusive and great environment for people to work in. Yeah, absolutely. And there are, there are a number of really fabulous programs. And the reality is they don't really compete with each other. We need them all, right? Because we, we, because not every program is going to speak to every participant. And so we need the variety of opportunities. And we also need the ability to scaffold folks. I, you know, I'm going to go to Paige's program and then, you know, a few weeks later, or the following summer, I'm going to go to another one to sort of see if the experience that I had, you know, was it real? And then that's a funny thing to say, but that is in fact the reality. And when I interview kiddos, who've gone through, you know, I like to call them, you know, um, the the serial STEM triers, right? (laughs) Because they're literally going from experience to experience to experience to experience. And and we encourage that because in part, you want the students to find the thing that they can be passionate about because they will persist if they can find the thing to love and they can see themselves in that potential career and that opportunity. And I think long-term, they become much better or, or great or fabulous or spectacular even employees because they have so much confidence and they, they've, they've found the thing that matters to them. Um, but the kids do tend to want and need to try different things to figure that out along the way. And so I'm really curious, Paige, I want to follow up with this piece before we move on, is, you know, so as the girls are having these experiences with you in the program, how do you help them understand or identify that pathway opportunity? Because to your point, in many, many places, the pathways do not exist. We, we almost have to, as mentors, right, as women, you know, in whatever field, sort of help um, quasi-craft the opportunity along the way, I guess, if you will. So what does that look like? Right. So my program's main focus is to get them excited, help them understand how their passions can become IT careers, give them that awareness. Mm -hmm. And then the big piece of it is I work with the local school districts to hopefully kind of do that handoff and get them into those computer science classes. And then the additional piece is just showing them and giving them the additional resources that are in the community. Here in Columbus, we have tons of other great resources Mm -hmm. for students to get involved in technology. And especially moving into this digital space, there's a lot of different things online. Um, And then we also do different programs where we'll have speakers come in into the high school. So I think a big piece is a lot of the schools have the material, have the classes. It's just getting the students into those classes, getting them Mm -hmm. in there and having them build that confidence so that when they go, hey, you know what, I am going to major in engineering and I can do this too. So it's just trying to address those pieces. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, um, Jasmine, so let's sort of fast forward a little bit because, you know, kids have this great experience. Again, we, we get them through post-secondary, whatever sort of training that they need to have to, to find themselves in, um, in, in the space of work, um, at some point along that journey. And so then they show up and, you know, you're going to have these folks become part of your team, for example. So, so how is it, or what is it, I guess, just to make sure that the listeners are really, really clear because, you know, we've, we've, talked in the previous um, episode a little bit about this notion of digital innovation and what does digital innovation actually mean from an industry standpoint. And I'm really curious, you know, for you to help our um, listeners sort of really understand what does that mean and how does that then translate into the way you think about fostering innovation within teams? Yeah, great, great question. So as we think about digital innovation, I mean, it's a broad, it's just generally a very broad, all-encompassing mm-hmm. term. And I think as we had talked about in the last um, podcast as well, it can apply to a whole host of, of different industries. And we often think of digital innovation as being sort of limited to high-tech companies and startups right. and, you know, out in Silicon Valley. And it it's really not that, in my view, I think mm-hmm. digital innovation now applies to virtual every organization that has some interface with a customer because your customer is going to be looking for new ways to engage with your organization, whether that's through their Mm -hmm. phone or through, you know, machine learning or AI or other tools that you're using behind the scenes to provide them with a better experience. And so that digital innovation, I think, really spans a whole spectrum of different applications, but ultimately really references a new way of of connecting and engaging with our customers in a way that's more meaningful to them and Mm -hmm. uses technology and data to provide a much better experience. And so then how do you, how do you go from that deep understanding of the customer experience to the employee's role in innovation process? What does that look like? Because I think that's a piece that, you know, when I step back and I talk with entrepreneurs or when I talk with teachers, you know, who are really trying to foster innovation or that innovation mindset, one of the things that they really, really struggle with clearly, because I hear this over and over again, is how do I help people with students, future employees, you name it, doesn't make any difference. How do I help them understand when and what innovation is when they're standing right in the middle of it. Because oftentimes, I think folks get so hung up on process pieces that they forget to look at some of the bigger picture as it relates to the opportunities that can come from innovative thinking or that mindset around innovation. So how do you reconcile that, Jasmine? Yeah, I I would say from kind of two different dimensions. So one is looking at what are the problems that your customers are struggling with today? You know, and really looking at the customer feedback, watching how they use your product, looking over their shoulder, you know, and really like, you know, behind that that glass, but having a bird's eye view into how they're engaging with your with your organization. And I think that helps you do what I call incremental innovation. So improving the existing products that you have today. And but the other dimension is really going outside the box and saying, 
I know I have these assets in my hand from a product or technology perspective. And I know that these are the kinds of experiences that my customer is looking for. And how do I, how do I look beyond what my existing thing is and take a blank sheet of paper and figure out how to provide a, a new and really valuable experience that is completely like a step change from where you are today? And yeah. so I think that's, you know, thinking about it from both dimensions, because you're almost trying to build a new car while you're also maybe improving the, the car that you're driving in right now, right? Yeah. So it, it's always a balance, I think, for organizations between running the business versus transforming the business. It, it is. There is no question. I will say in my own my own work that that's the day-to-day struggle, right? How, how do I stay in business and at the same time be innovative and stay just far enough ahead uh, to make sure that I don't back to something you said, you know, right when we started the conversation so that you don't get behind because if you get behind, you will, it feels like um, whether it's true or not, it's very, very difficult to catch back up. Um, and especially if, you know, the marketplace is so fickle, right? It doesn't take much for you to lose them. And then, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? So I appreciate that very right. much. Thank you for that, Jasmine. Okay. So Paige, my question back to you then is, how do you then take what Jasmine was talking about and translate that in a meaningful way for students and educators when you go into these school settings and you start talking about and delivering this program because what Jasmine's talking about at the end of the day, in many ways, I suspect, is sort of ground zero for helping folks understand how to participate actively, not just passively in the process of innovation. Yes. Um, So I had a manager a while ago tell me that the biggest thing is being customer obsessed. So I definitely bring that, I definitely bring that up, especially like coming from an engineering standpoint. Sometimes you're not focused on that, but like taking a step back and understanding, hey, this is what the product I'm building, this is how it's going to be used. And then I think a big thing is when I go and talk to schools and talk to teachers is all about lean principles. Agile fits into their well. Like at the end of the day, we're trying to eliminate waste. So I think kind of doing those type of principles and then probably the biggest thing that I, that I learned myself about innovation and the mindset and changing is that um, you always have to keep learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was on a panel the other day and when I was talking to students and they're like, what is the biggest thing you didn't know? And I think that is it. I thought I would come in, I would know what I needed to know and I would just work. But at the end of the day, like I learn new things every day and I have to block off time to continue to learn new things. Mm-hmm. So I think talking to the students that like at the end of the day, your job of learning is never over. And if you can continue to learn and continue to adapt and be able to take these topics and apply them, then you will be successful with innovating. So, yeah, and- no, absolutely. And I appreciate that so much. You know, I I'll, I'll often tell students, tell my staff, tell myself, remind me, right? You know, the minute you think that you're finished and you can sort of take a take a break, take a breath from learning, you're you're lost because you you know you're behind at that point. <laughs> Um, you know, and it, 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 it's an unfortunate thing, but it, but but a, but a, but a true thing. But I also actually think there's probably some some greatness in that moment. You know, so so Jasmine, that gets me back around, if you will, to the employees who are not our Gen Z, not even our millennials, right? But who have been working for 25, 30 years. Life expectancies are much longer than they used to be. And people are not retiring. It's sort of at the same rate and pace, despite sort of the baby boomer thing that's happening, especially in the STEM fields. But the reality of it is people's working lives are 
much longer in their productivity. So how do you, the flip side of this, this whole conversation then is how do you take that same opportunity to be transformative and constantly innovate and help older working populations be as much a part of the new innovations as before? Because in some places that is not happening. Yeah. I, I don't. I have no idea what's happening within your own company, but and it's a generalization more than anything else. But I do hear a lot of chatter about, well, what are we going to do about, you know, our workforce that is our institutional knowledge, but they're not. They're not necessarily always amping up or their own professional development. Somewhere along the way, there there was a halt or pause because of expectations around work and life and retirement that no longer hold true. What do we do with that? Yeah, that's a that's a terrific question. I would say, you know, even coming back to to Paige's point as well, like if you can, regardless of what your age is, the the objective is still to provide value to the customer. Mm-hmm. And if you can find a way to continue to do that, that's going to make the difference, right? And that's where the innovation and sort of that mindset will come from. And, and I think we've tried to break down those. Um, sort of this telephone game of, Mm -hmm. well, the customer has some feedback and then it has to go to um, a product person who's going to then write some requirements and then they're going to throw it over the wall to a developer who's then going to blindly code it, you know. And (laughs) if you can eliminate all of those those steps in the conversation. And I think regardless of, of your age, but particularly for uh, older individuals in engineering organizations, mm-hmm. get out there a little bit more, you know, engage with your customer service team and see if you can um, get a hold of the, the customer complaints that are coming in or the feedback or suggestions that folks have. I think it's a great way to really reframe someone's um, uh, role in the organization as really being committed to to the next iteration of the organization. And, and it may be that because they're not on, the, on their phone all the time in the same way that Gen Z individual might be, they may not be providing sort of that, some of the transformational innovation, but they can absolutely support that incremental innovation, um, which is still equally valuable to an organization. Yeah, and in many ways, that's sort of the years of experience, right? That you we cannot underscore that, right? So oftentimes, you know, I, I I wonder if that sort of gets into one of the components that we really advocate a lot for in the K twelve space, and certainly even into the the, the undergraduate space and post secondary is really around this idea that you know the the greatest problems get solved by the 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 most diversity. Uh, if you will, of thought right around that team. And so I am really curious, uh, you know, Paige um, or Jasmine, either one of you, um, you know, opt in here in terms of the way companies are thinking about their teams and 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 the, the work that they do. You know, there was a period of time where it was very, very common, back to your point, Jasmine, about, you know, you, we're going to take this call, we're going to get the feedback and it's going to go here and then it's going to go there. Very, very siloed in the way that we thought about the work internally. Is that still the case or are we starting to really sort of see a greater diversity of components on teams. Um, so, you know, your, your engineering versus your, your product design versus your customer experience being more integrated, or is that not the case? Because certainly in the K-12, we're really advocating for us to lose some of the, um, the man-made boundaries, I guess, if you will, about the way we think about the things that we teach and the way that certainly we're going to learn. So what does that look like right now inside of industry? Paige, I'll let you take that first. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I guess just the first thing that came to my mind is 
I actually read a book. It was called Extreme Ownership. But part of that is like everybody does have an ownership. Everybody's a leader and being able to take ownership of what you're building. So for me as a software engineer, I want to know like, what does that customer think when they're using it? And I think the ability to feel empowered, to have these conversations, to communicate respectfully to my peers and be able to innovate. And at the end of the day, our job is to is for the customer. So whatever I'm doing, I need to make sure that I'm being a leader and an owner of what I'm building from that software end and making sure that my communication is effectively. And I've definitely seen a huge transformation since I've been there as well into just like being customer obsessed. Customer yeah. obsessed. I like that. I also love <laughs> love the notion of you're a builder and an owner. That's that's a fabulous piece of that mindset conversation. I think that we were having before. Jasmine, will you have anything yeah, to add? I, yeah, I was just going to add from a from a diversity and inclusion perspective. We have seen even these small examples where, um, and this was an, an interesting example we had where. We were uh, the team was building out test accounts to validate some of the work that they were doing, and the names that we used for those test accounts were very, you know, simple generic type names. And as we went through it, we found that those test accounts weren't always working because people have really long names, you know, from mm-hmm. other countries. They have right. hyphenated names. They have, you know, and so even just having that diversity of thought, um, that really helps the the team as we thought through this to say, hey, we're not going to catch some of these potential issues in our end product if we don't bring that kind of diversity of thinking into every aspect of the product design and development um, and release to really make sure that you're you're accounting for your entire customer base, not just, you know, the, you know, a subset of them. Absolutely. And super important. So, um, you know, from an industry standpoint, you don't want to miss. So absolutely, absolutely. You know, I always like to to end this program recognizing that I've got folks who listen, who come from all over the world in different scenarios, you know, sort of different ecosystems, you know, imagining that they just heard this conversation and they're sitting back thinking, oh my goodness, what could I be doing, um, especially for our our teacher followers, um, what could I be doing to make sure that my students are really um, embracing an innovation mindset? So Paige, I want to start with you. You know, what would your one piece of advice be if a teacher said to you, hey, what could I do to make sure that my students um, are, are really gaining this experience in the time that I have with them? Um, I guess really a big piece would be the empowerment and the ability for them to be creative and to design, but then have that ownership piece so then they can be innovative. So it's like, I own this product. I own this project. This is how I went through my whole design thinking. And this is how I came to the conclusion. Because I think those um, traits are still valuable today in any type of working environment. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Jasmine, same question to you. Yeah, I would I would build on that. I think um, Paige is exactly right that that ownership, and then on top of that ownership, layer on top of it the notion of it's okay to not be right the first time around, and to iterate and to continuously grow and keep improving, and just maintain that mindset of I'm I'm my expectation is it's going to take half a dozen iterations, and then therefore you know your first five are, are totally fine, and and you you feel that momentum to continue, even though you may have some setbacks. Absolutely. And there's, there's, there's great points to be earned in, you know, trying more than one time. 
as opposed to losing points for that, right? I always say, oh, no, no, no. The most points are when we get it wrong and we try again. Ladies, thank you so very much for making time um, out of your day to uh, talk with us uh, about what it means to be um, innovative and to have an innovative mindset. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Annalise. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.